Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey there, welcome to the show. Happy Sunday morning. I'm Arif Halaby, and this is the Total Financial Hour. Sponsored by TFS Financial and Insurance Services, your family's place for retirement income. Guaranteed, if you will, that lasts the rest of your life, right? The companies uh, that we use are are some of the largest ones actually in the world. Uh, Many have been around since the 1800s, 1858, 1868, uh, 1890s, so a very long time. So when we talk about, you know, the history, we talk about strong companies, we do so because they have patterns of behavior, Right. The reason you work with a financial company is because you've heard of it for years or an insurance company is because you've heard of it for years. Well, what's the difference with sending your child off to that Ivy League school? Right. You understand Ivy. (laughs) Let's make this clear here. Ivy is a one five. Right. It's the Roman numerals for four. So the Ivy League schools are just the ones not covered with Ivy or it means something significant. It's just the fourth district, the fourth school's district, if you will, that was created. And so hence they used one one, uh, V, IV, right? Get it? One, four, or one, five. So it's the fourth district in Roman numerals. But anyway, the Ivy League school districts, think about this for just a second. They've been around for decades. There's plenty of other schools that have been around for for 50 years. Lots that have been around for 100 and 150 years. Except what's their pattern of behavior? Well, suddenly they got drunk on the government money. You know, because it doesn't end, right? If you can get government money, if I, can, if I can have money come to me and you're responsible to pay it back, and all I have to do is cash the checks, explain to me, how that's going to change the behavior of the person receiving the checks. Because for decades, we feel that people need to go to college. Okay, I think an education is important, especially before knowledge came to you. Right? We spent so much money on going out and searching for knowledge. People, uh, noblemen, uh, kings, queens, they used to bring in tutors, and they would tutor their children while the children of the peasants were out in the field picking up Uh, you know, vegetables, or the children of the peasants were working in the factories or the farms. So this changed because the noblemen and women would learn Latin. They would learn history. They would learn the perspective of math in the world and physics because tutors were brought into them. About 110 years ago, 120 years ago, things changed. The Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts in New York said, we need to educate this workforce that are working for us. So we're going to create this public school system. We're going to create a system where we can tell people what to learn. 
And so that's what they did. We're going to educate you up to whatever age, whatever grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 12th grade, ultimately is where it turned out to be, where the public school system is the 12th grade. Okay, now, you don't understand uh, if you are born today, you think education is a right. It is. Okay, fine. Well, go on your phone. Search your search engine. If you think it's a right, then just give somebody free access to the Internet. Oh, wait, you already do. If you think education is a right, then give people free cell phones. Oh, wait, you do. So from a government standpoint of giving this free stuff, you realize somebody has to pay for it. Now, listen, you are the ones with the retirement money. Guess what? You are the ones that are going to pay for it. If you've listened to me for more than 10 minutes, you've heard me say, you know, the 27-year-old who sleeps on your couch, they don't have enough money for retirement. Right? They play video games till 2 in the morning. They don't have any money that they're setting aside in the stock market. Because how does the stock market or any other market work? Well, one of the ways that it goes up in value is because there are more people buying shares than there are people selling shares. It's supply and demand. So if there's 100 of something and 60 people want to buy one each, well, they're going to have to lower the price until it's favorable for those 60 people to say, oh, fine, fine, I'll take it. But when there's more people putting in, which means going to work, putting in their 401ks, investing in the market, when there's more people wanting to buy, let's say 120 shares on it, they can keep raising the price until 20 people say, all right, that, that's too high for me. I can't afford that. And the 100 say, fine, I'll take it. It's called supply and demand. Well, the market, the, the stock market in some, in some areas really isn't much different. That means that the more that there are people buying, the higher potential the market can go. And this potential growth in the market, you're going to need because you're going to sell these shares. When you retire, if your money is in the market, if you have that risk, you are crossing your fingers, crossing your toes, and saying a prayer of a couple of things. Number one, I hope the market is higher when I need these funds. Total Financial Solutions, TFS Financial and Insurance Services. We do not cross our fingers and cross our toes. We don't operate on hope. In case you missed it, the last eight years of hope and change didn't work. That's not a strategy, right? Hope and change. We're going to trans fundamentally transform. Well, how about you fundamentally transform your retirement account? How about you realize that one plus one is two, whether you're on the left or the right, whether you're up or down, black or white, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. One plus one is two, guys. Supply and demand is supply and demand. Unless some of these, you know, the the three crazies in, in Congress get their way and they turn it into a socialist system, well, then what I'm telling you is irrelevant. But you understand that if there's supply and demand at work and there's math at work, you're going to have to figure out how you can get your retirement account to grow without taking a chance and going backwards. Let me tell, tell you a quick story. Uh, yesterday, or a couple days ago, we had a client come in. He says, hey, Eric, I have this retirement account. It's three or four different retirement accounts. His Roth IRA has $107,000. That's great. It's a lot of money for a Roth IRAs, considering they're relatively new. So $107,000 in his Roth IRA. Great news. We took a look. From the day he's had it till now, he's averaged 1.77% return. Oh, well, Eric, that must have been some guy doing trading and being a... Nope, nope. One of the largest companies that you can see. 
two-word company, James might be a part of it. And what does he do? Very simple. He says, hey, Eric, I've aver- we've looked at it, 1.77. Not me. That's the statement that says it. I don't, I don't critique or analyze. That's not my job. I said, oh, okay, 1.77. So he said, I wonder what the market would have done had I not had to pay the fees. Oh, by the way, the fees in this account, the total cost was about 2.5%. So Wall Street and the broker made about 60% more than the person who worked his whole life, who's taking the risk, who saved the money, who loses sleep at night when the market goes down. That person is not paid for the risk that they are taking. Not if it's 1.77. He could have sat it in a CD in 2010 and earned 2 or 3 or 4% without any fees. What an insane thing. And so he said when he, he talked to his broker, his broker just uh, reference the most recent time. See, that's the trick. What they'll do is they'll say, oh, but in the last six months, we've gotten you, you 19%. You go, oh my gosh, I, I should be a millionaire by next week. You say, no, 19%. That's because you lost me 20. And then the year before you lost me 18. And the year before four. Okay, so maybe you've made me something, but you're just giving me my own money back. Because if it goes up and you tell me that that's my money, then it goes down and you say, just hold on. It'll come back. Everybody loses money sometimes. And then it starts to return. If that was my money before and it's starting to go back up, aren't you just giving me my own money back? I mean, maybe not literally, right? Maybe it's somebody else's money you took from them to give to me. I get it. But I care about the dollars in my account. I don't spend shares at the grocery store. I spend dollars. So at TFS Financial Insurance Services, what do we do? We put your money in a safe place. We work directly with insurance companies. We do not go backwards in the market, but there's a catch. No, no, no. There's two catches. Catch number one. You have to be okay with making no more than about 10 or 12% in a year. That's the cap. Meaning if the market goes up three, you could make three. If it goes up 10, you could earn 10. But if it goes up 12, if that's the cap, that's the most you're going to earn. But if the market does 20, 30, 40, and you are in the right place in the market, you could make 20, 30, 40. Your broker better do a great job. With us, you will not. But if it drops the very next day, the gains that you have in your account are locked in. They're secure. They don't go backwards. Okay, that's kind of important. So we, we know that you're going to earn somewhere between 0 and 10. Zero and 12. Okay, that's catch. Catch number one. Catch number two. There's a time commitment. That means just like a CD or a cell phone contract, if you cancel early, you will pay a fee. Right? But there is no monthly fee. There's no deposit fee. There's no quarterly fee. There's no annual fee. There's no withdrawal fee as long as during the time that you select, five years, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it doesn't matter, you do not pull out more than 10% per year. Now, some have 5%. Some you can take out the interest the very next month. Some you have to wait a year. Just depends on the account you choose. But the maximum is 10 during the time you select. Well, that's kind of important because if the retirement account is designed as an income stream for you anyway, in other words, that's the purpose of the money. For a lot of times, 
people and financial professionals don't ever ask you about what's the purpose, what's the job of this money. Is it to leave to your children? Is it to leave to your spouse? Is it to take a trip next year? Those all have different jobs, different places. So be very careful. If the money that you've set aside has a job of a guaranteed income stream, then you're not going to take out more than 10% per year, right? Because otherwise you'll run out of money in 10 years. So consider that it might be an option. You have to look at it. You have to see, does it fit your needs? But if those two things, those two catches are okay, then once you've, you, you've grown your wealth, once the market's gone up, in my opinion, you don't take any more chances, right? That I'm okay with saying, hey, here's, here's $500. If I go to Las Vegas, I've paid my mortgage. I, I have saved money in my bank account. My kids' college, are, my cars are good. And I want to play with 500 Fantastic. Go do it. No problem. I wouldn't do it. That's not my thing. I, I'm not good at gambling, and I don't enjoy it. So I don't do it. Other people have at it. It's legal. It's your thing. It's not me. So you know that you have a chance of losing that money, right? That's the mindset. You, you, you have an excuse. You call it entertainment. That's great because I have seen people having fun being entertained in casinos. So great. That's the way you want to have fun. But you don't take your retirement account and what you're going to need in four years or nine years and take it to the casino and say, but it's for entertainment. You know, I, I know that it can go backwards. You wouldn't do that. But if we're near all-time highs in the market and after the craziness of last week, then wouldn't you want to think maybe some or part of your money should be safe? That's just me. It's the reason that both Dennis and Larry, who, by the way, took a long time to talk and vet us, right? They had great conversations with us. Hey, what about this? And why this? And why that? These aren't guys that take things lightly. And, and you know and trust both of them. In fact, I've listened to both of them uh, for decades. They're honorable men. And so part of this process for you, I think, is to say, how do I protect my gains? Because here's where the biggest mistake is going to occur. It's called a sequence of returns. Where this really hurts people is the impact in your retirement. Because basically, it's the sequence of rate of returns, the interest rates that you earn, and the order in which they occur. And it can really affect you because just like you wanted a lot of people coming in and buying when you're now selling, right? You've accumulated a big retirement account in your mutual funds, stock bonds, whatever it is. Your 401k is a big chunk of money. You, they're buying things, they're buying shares, they're buying units, whatever they're buying. Okay, those pieces, they don't send them to you in the mail. You have to cash them in and they send you dollars. You go to the grocery store with the dollars. Okay, now, if those dollars are, if those pieces are worth less in dollars, then when you get there, you are now stuck trying to figure out why, if you will, you have less. Because it's in the order in which you retire. For example, if you retired in 1996 and you said, life is great. Oh my gosh, look at the market. And then, then and the market did 23% that year. I'm talking about the S&P 500. Maybe your mutual funds did better. Great. Then 1997 comes along. 33%. You're like, oh my word, I am a genius. I am probably... Well, I just got to make sure my wife knows how smart I am. She probably does, just doesn't want to tell me. 
And 1999, 21%. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is incredible. 23%, 96. 33%, 97. 28% in 1998. Can I do anything wrong? No way. Until 2000. Then the market is now minus 9. 2001, minus 12. 2002, minus 22. And all of a sudden, the peacock walk that you do goes, um, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Uh, maybe all of a sudden, something's wrong. Because if, and keep this in mind, if you take credit when the market goes up, you have to do something. It's called take credit when the market goes down. That's called blame. But if the, the market returned a different order, meaning now all of a sudden you're earning some of the lower interest rates. See, here's the challenge. If, if you retire when the market's high, when you're earning great interest rates, psychologically you spend more money. You are at a much higher level of comfort. You commit to long-term debt. Let's buy that RV on a 20-year loan. We keep making more money than we're spending anyway. Let's buy that vacation house at the beach and not sell one of our rental properties or not sell our primary residence. Why? Because the market's going up and we can, we can buy it anyway. So if that is occurring, you are generally in a, in a sense a false sense of, of uh, well, one, rate of return because you're not going to earn it. And so you start walking down this road of trying to figure out how do I create, how do I keep my, my, uh, my uh, income? Because if you retired, you cannot go back. So you get two or three good years. Life is good. You're spending money. All of a sudden, the market goes down. And in your mind, you say, can I go back to work? And you call your company and a different person answers the phone, somebody you've never met. Because three years have gone by. And you don't remember anybody. And certainly, they don't remember you. The computer software system has changed. They've got an updated system. The boss, the manager who said, Mary, come back anytime. She's now retired or moved on. And so suddenly, you are just as much of a stranger to that company as you are to just about any other company. And so you start to think, right? It's just normal. You start to think, oh, well, I guess I'm going to find a job somewhere else. So you go from 60, 70, 80, $100,000 a year to working at a greeter at a big box store or at a boutique making just barely minimum wage because that's where your skill set is. You're not updated. Oh, Eric, you exaggerate. No, I'm telling you a story about two clients just in the last month. And unfortunately, ladies, they are both ladies. I don't know why. It just happens. Because once you start taking money out and the market drops, now they have to sell more units, more shares, more pieces have to be sold because you need dollars. And if their dollars go down in value, you have to, uh, sorry, if the, if the shares, if the units go down in value, you have to sell more of them to get the same dollar bill to walk into the grocery store. And if there isn't enough people behind you buying them, then the price has to go down because there are too many of the shares and units, then there are people that want to buy. Because once you start withdrawing income, you've now affected by, you're, you're affected by the change in the sequence in which the returns occur. So at the end of 10 years, 
You might still have a great amount of income, but your balance, what's left behind to earn interest, goes away rapidly. So be very careful. When you're retired, you need to sell investments periodically to support your cash flow needs. If you are six months to a year before retirement or six months to a year after retirement, you have to give us a call. It just, it, it makes a huge difference. Just for a second opinion, fine. We don't charge anything. You come in, you say, oh yeah, no thanks, sir. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. I don't know if we can help you. Usually we can. Sometimes people are in a good position. Uh, that happens. Once, twice a month, people will come in and will say, hey, you know, I think you're not going to make any changes. What? Yeah, yeah, there's nothing I can help you with. Everything that you say you wanted looks like it's here, and we're, we're good. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Okay, it's a toll-free number. You can always get a hold of us. All right, I want to finish up with sequence of returns because I've got a, a, a very, very important topic next half hour uh, as we continue about why I think you need to think twice about how you vote, what you vote for, and more importantly, guys, uh, think twice about the way you take money out of your accounts. But that's the second half of the hour. Okay. Uh, when I say sequence of returns, it's the way in which you earn interest. If you earn negative interest rates in the first few years of retirement, the big chunk of money is reduced. That means it's no longer available to earn interest. It's gone. So it's very difficult to replace it. You want to have big chunks of money. Once you've become wealthy, successful, big dollars, I don't care, you pick the number. For some people, having $100,000 in their account is wealthy. For others, crossing the million-dollar mark was the dream of their life. For some, it's $5 million or 10, It doesn't matter. Once you hit to that whatever number you think, or you don't want to lose what you have, then we have to take some or part of it. We move it to a safe place. We're going to get reasonable gains generally over time. We have found that we're going to earn between 0 and 10, 0 and 12, something like that. But realistically, we average between 3 and 6. Okay, so everybody wants to earn 10 or 12, but sometimes we get 5, 6, 7, sometimes 2, 3, 4. So your family's finances, for passing it on from an inheritance standpoint to living on it as income, all of those things are different purposes. They're different jobs. right? I, I can take a screwdriver, and I can certainly use it as a hammer. It's not efficient. doesn't work very well, but it'll eventually work. But I can take another tool called a hammer and use it as a hammer, and a screwdriver as a screwdriver, and a wrench as a wrench. In other words, your retirement accounts are tools. If you use the tool for the proper job, then fantastic. If you're okay with risk and speculation, that's what the market's for. Right? I wouldn't mind paying a fee. The client that came in who, who paid, uh, ready for the number? $22,000 was what he earned since December 2010. 22000 December 2010. Started with $90,000. Uh, 92, something like that, a little over 90, has $22,000 in gains. His fees, about 31000 In the same period of time, the broker in Wall Street earned 31000 in fees. When I asked him, what do you think your account has made, average? He said 10%. Okay. Let's look at the statement. We turn it around. 
he looks and he says, since account inception, rate of return 1.77. At least come in and find out what your fees are. And it's not me that's going to say it. We're just going to call the company, right? I'm not going to make up something where you go, oh, I'm sure Arif is going to say that. No, no. The companies pay us, by the way. You guys think that we work for free or we're angels. Nope, not not a nonprofit. My kids need to eat. So gosh, Arif, how do you pay? How do you get paid? Simple. The companies pay us, guys. Right? It's always built to end. You need to be careful. This is your family's finances. You've worked for these. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me. Second half of the hour. Wait till you hear what's up on the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services. I'm Arif Halby. We'll be right back. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. For those of you that are just joining, I am Arif Halaby. Total Financial Solutions. TFS Financial Insurance Services brings you this show and Total Financial Solutions as well. Uh, Look, 23 years in the financial business. In fact, June was 23 years, so we just crossed that number. Over the last 23 years, I've seen a lot of things happen. Made a lot of predictions. Uh, So far, most of them have come true. You know, it's kind of weird, actually. It's a little bit eerie because it's kind of like you you know when somebody's telling you uh, a lie, right? You can read in their face, and sometimes you don't want to know that. I just prefer to be innocent. I just prefer to be a bystander. So sometimes you go, ah, you know what? I know when they're not telling me the truth. It's the same thing. I can tell you when things uh, are going to go sideways in the in the economic world or the financial world based on experience. That's all. It's not that I'm some sort of a genius. Uh, in fact, you can go back six years, seven years ago, and I was talking about the only way California is going to get out of this pension mess. Well, there's three ways. There's three things they're going to do. They're going to reduce benefits. So they're going to they're going to cut back. They'll probably do something creative. It's just a guess, but you know, I would say something like this. Well, they'll say something like, "Well, you know, give us 5% of your pension amount. We'll put it into a bucket here, and we're going to guarantee you 4% return, uh, but it's ours for the next 5 years." And then, you know, we'll give it to you in a lump sum or we'll spread it out a new income for you 5 years from now and then something will change probably. That's one. Second is they're going to have to uh, have you put in more money? So for those of you still working, you're going to have to get more money. You have to put it in. You have to do 12, maybe 15% of your paycheck, realistically. That's just a guess, but it's kind of a roundabout number. And the third thing I predicted, which happened last month, what is the one thing you cannot take out of the state? You can take your job. You can take your Social Security number which means your unearned income, like pension, 401k withdrawals, rental property, all of that is taxed as unearned income. And unearned income is where you live. It's who you are. So if you live, if your residence is in Florida, Texas, Arizona, doesn't matter, then California gets zero of that income tax. But if you're in California, what is it, 181 days, surprise, you get taxed as a citizen, as a resident. So people leave. 
businesses leave. You've heard me talk about uh, they have this rainwater runoff. I know uh, a lady had called this week and said, I'm, I'm not sure. I thought they, that didn't pass. No, no, it did. And it's a tax that would go directly onto your property because you have, <laughs> it's so stupid. This is ridiculous. It's because you have roof and you have concrete patio and they do a satellite image and they do an assessment and they say, okay, because water cannot absorb through the system, we are going to tax you. See, instead of the city of LA or county of LA being smart and saying, oh my, we messed up, we put concrete on the bottom of the of the LA River, so water that normally is absorbed into the system now runs out through Long Beach. Right? So instead of thinking, oh, these natural rivers, now I get the sides, you don't want it to collapse. But how random is that? And why in that daylights are they attack, uh, taxing you? Well, because that rainwater tax, oh, what are you going to care? Really? You're not going to pay attention. You're busy. You want social justice or economic justice or baloney. But what about the split roll tax? Right? So here's what happens. Because the pensions for the state of California weren't being able to, uh, to be met for the, for the school teachers, what they're going to do is they say, it's for the children. This money is for the chil- it's for old people, for children. Old people, children, nurses. Everybody loves a nurse. And it is for puppies. Puppy dogs. Well, I made up the puppy dogs. And kittens. That's not true either. So what they're going to do is they would tax your real estate. That's the one thing you cannot take out of this state. And that's the third thing I think they're going to do. It's what they have to do. Now, what percentage, how much... Which part of those three is going to be greater? I don't know. It depends politically. depends the economic t- mood of the, of the city, of the county. It depends on the, the movements at the time, right? Progressive movement, conservative movement. It depends on what's happening. And as they do that, and I've been talking about this for, for at least five, six, well, six, seven years now. And sure enough, people say, oh, but I have Prop 13. Ha, 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 ha. It doesn't matter. You're talking about property tax. This is a tax assessment. So I think the crazy liberal politicians, guys, the city councilmen, the county people, the state of California, they're going to go after your real estate. They have to. It's the one thing you cannot take. There's been 9,000 businesses plus that have left the state in the last few years. A million people plus leave the state. And look, guys, they're not poor people that leave, right? This is a great place to be. Husband, wife, two children, whether they're really yours or not, whether you're really married or not. You play pretend. Been reports of brother and sister. Oh, yes, we're married. Why? Because they get about $80,000 in benefits. I mean, can you understand? You're a citizen. You work hard. You sacrifice. You miss your kids' baseball games, soccer games. You you go and miss the the dance recitals in the third grade. You do all the stuff you're supposed to do, and you may not make $80,000 a year. Come here illegally, and between cell phone and rent, and education, and medical, you're getting, it's the same stuff we spend our earned income on. But we feel sorry for them. Really? Really? Have you looked? Listen, I've been to Mexico. In fact, one of my degrees is in Latin American history. I, I just happen to Latin culture. It's, it's a big deal to me. I love the language. In fact, last night I was working and speaking with my son. We practice. It's a great, great culture in my opinion. 
But when everybody, it's generally the Indian, the Mesoamericans that are fleeing. It's not the upper middle class Mexican culture that's fleeing. It's not the upper middle class Guatemalan culture that's fleeing. It's the it's the Indians, it's the Mayan uh, indigenous people that are fleeing. It's a way to exterminate. It's a way to get rid of them out of your land because they never treated them very well to begin with, according to my professors and my observations being down there many, many times. So, you know, you have to think twice. If it's that poor of a country, why is the wealthiest man in the world from Mexico? If it's that poor of a country, why are there 10 or 12 or 14 families that basically run the entire nation? Right? You have to ask yourself, was that what we're going to become? Where you have just a group of families politically running the country? I don't know, maybe. Because when it comes to education and you have young people here, they're going to start pushing the education system. So what my recommendation or my, uh, my uh, observation is this. For quite a while now, I've been saying they're going to have to have colleges go kaput. Gone. I think in the next five years, you're going to see 20 to 25% of the colleges and universities go out of business. Oh, Eric, that is such dramatic. Well, I, I think you're going to see 25%. Could that really be? Oh, yes, it could. Now, why would I say that? Because it's already happening. You have universities, public universities, shutting down in Georgia. You have public universities merging, shutting down, becoming different in uh, uh, Montana, in uh, the, the Northwest, Northeast, all over the nation. And as these universities shut down, as they merge, as they become something different, why do you think that's occurring? Because people are saying enough is enough. They're saying, I'm just done spending the money. I'm done giving myself uh, you know, a $600 bill every single month and not getting anything out of it. Here's a good example. I, I think you're going to be surprised when you take a look across the board. Since 2016, right? I'm not even talking about... Uh, you know, the last decade, just 2016 guys, when quote the economy, the market and everything is done amazing. These are non-profit universities, Pennsylvania, private university closed, Alabama, California, American Jewish university. It's closed temporarily, but it's closed. We'll see if it becomes permanent. Basically they're looking for a suitor, somebody to come in and pick it up. Georgia, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, Illinois, Coleman University in California, closed. More New York, College of New Rochelle, expected to close this year. Private school. Colorado, right? You've heard on and on and on. New Hampshire, Indiana, Alabama. Nobody is immune. South Dakota, Michigan. How many altogether? See if I can even come up with a number here. I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 60. Oh, but that doesn't include public universities. 
Now, you understand public universities mean taxpayer-funded universities. And what I have a concern with is only the ones with the large endowments will survive. So here's a good example. It's a Harvard study, by the way. Just so you know, it's, this, it's not a fly-by-night place. Harvard Business School professor Clayton Christensen consistently turns heads in higher education by predicting that 50% of colleges and universities will close or go bankrupt in the next decade. Now, I think 25% in the next five years. But what do I know? I'm not a Harvard graduate. In the New York Times in 2013, a host of struggling colleges and universities, basically the bottom 25% of every tier they predict will disappear or merge in the next 10 to 15 years. Some higher education media, in turn, use these predictions to lampoon the, the idea that disruptive, affordable online education is the answer. So that's what's happening, guys. You're seeing people say, wait a second. My older sister went to school. She has 75000 in student loan debt, and she's working as an assistant manager at a dress shop. Nothing wrong with those jobs. But you didn't need 70000 in student loan debt to do it. What you needed was to learn how to put together a sentence in English. What you need is to learn the difference between the written and the spoken language. Right? The written language was be letters and email. The spoken language would be words out of your mouth, and texting. It's the reason in text people use the letter U to say you. Because you can do that because when I speak, I say you. You don't know if I'm saying Y-O-U or the letter U. But if I sent you an email, a formal email, and I used the, the, the letter U to say Y-O-U, you'd go, this guy's uneducated. So many of our college or high school grads still come out of school and have no clue how to put together an English sentence. Certainly no clue how to put together a proper email or letter. Now, I'm only 51 years old, but darn it, my mom made sure that we did things the right way. In addition to that, there is a level of politeness that occurs. And maybe it's needed that you have to go on to a college because high schools, in some cases, have become no more than just babysitting and just holding your breath trying to get through the day because of rules and disruptions and stuff from California educational system that gives you more things you have to do with less resources. If you want free college and tuition, you have to tell me which professors and administrators are going to work for free. You have to tell me the groundskeepers, the, the men and women that keep the grounds beautiful, which ones are those going to work for free? The electric bill. Who's going to pay for that? Because that's still going to happen. People can volunteer. They don't need to be paid. So just tell the professor and the administrator, hey, you know, it's free. Community college right here in Southern California. Community college. Two-year school. Two-year school. Chancellor, Grand Poobah, I'm not sure what they call her now. Superintendent, I guess. Whatever it is. $35,000 a month. A month. That does not include the top five people. When you add the other top five people, double that number. That is huge. It's a public, quote, public college. They turn out an amazing product, but they take money from the citizens, the students who have student loans. The dollars come in. 
And now this community college in, in Southern California uh, pays $35,000 a month? Now, you have to show me which cure for cancer did you come up with? Or, 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 maybe, or maybe you created the new flying car. Oh, no, no, no. You're a bureaucrat. Who do you think is going to pay for this, you guys? It's not going to be the 28-year-old who graduated, who works as a barista, with $82,000 in student loans. One, she's not putting money in her 401k because she's trying to just get out of debt. So that means your retirement account, nobody's putting money in to buy the shares that you need to sell in order to buy food. Number two is they're not going to make very much money to, to pay extra in taxes to pay back these debts because we have huge defaults. So I think there's going to be massive college closures. I think what will happen is it's going to happen slowly, like one or two, and then five, six, seven, and then a flood. Because colleges and universities don't want to be the first, but somebody will force them. They will owe somebody some money, janitorial service, uh, remodeling a construction company. I've been going down to UCLA in that area since I was 16 years old for nearly four decades. And there has always been construction. Wasn't the Coliseum built faster than that? I don't know. For, For four decades, they're doing construction at UCLA. Was it that bad? Oh, no. They have nonstop construction. There's always something, some bureaucrat, somebody somewhere, excuse, a reason, show you. People begin their career on a project and leave and retire in the middle of the whole story, and they've never seen everything done. Right? We're going to build a new blah, blah, blah. And guess who pays for it? It's a public university. It's you. So my concern, guys, is this. There's a huge risk that's going to be transferred from colleges and universities to you, the taxpayer, because when it's public, it means just you. So be very careful. Understand that I think you are the one that's going to be holding the bag. When Harvard Business School comes out and finally says something, and this is an article, by the way, guys, in Forbes magazine. December of 2018, December 13, 2018. Okay, it's online, so I don't know if it's also written, but it's an online article. And they say that, listen, you're going to have more and more traditional universities be very creative. That's why Harvard, Yale, a lot of Ivy League schools won't even accept you if you have to come in with student loans. In fact, here's how they go. Here's how they do it. You walk in, you give them your your tax returns and your financials and your parents, of course. You sit down and they go look at it. They go, okay. Uh, responsible for $4,000 a semester, and we will pay the rest. That's how they do it. So you'll pay $4,000 to attend Harvard. Because Harvard, Yale, Brown, Columbia, have huge endowment funds. In fact, I believe it's the next 125 years, 100% of the students could still attend Harvard for free. That's how much money they have. 
So Harvard University says, we don't want student loan debt. Why? Because they want to own you. <laughs> they, don't want, they, don't want the, you know, they don't want the IRS to come after you. They want to send this, hey, hey there, remember us? You graduated, you have no student loan debt, you have Harvard, you're making more money because of the name. So don't you think you owe us? Can you sponsor this event? You finally made some money? Right? So, so I think that's the reason. It's yet to be seen because they've just started this, uh, this um, policy a few years ago. But all of these paying back of student loan debts, 1.7, 1.8 trillion dollars in student loan debt, where does that come from? It's you. We are at record all-time high defaults. That means they're not paying. And I don't mean to, to sour the, the Sunday morning for you guys, but this is the most troubling statistic. And it's this. We are about 116,000 people. Not a lot if you take a look at the United States, but 116,000 people that are retired, that are collecting Social Security, that have their Social Security wages garnished. That means... They have not paid their student loans back. And then they turn on Social Security and the government says, oh, wait, you owe us. So the IRS puts a lien on it and whatever process or procedure they go through and they take a piece of your Social Security check. So to add insult to injury, the money that you've paid in taxes, you now have to pay back through your student, through your uh, Social Security check. Look, that's a big deal because you probably were counting on it. And the student loan debt that I'm talking about isn't just debt that you took out for yourself. It's your son. It's your daughter. It's your niece, nephew. It's anything that you co-signed on. Right? By co-signing on it, it's called a parent plus loan. So part of this is for you to realize, I don't want you to co-sign on other people's loans. But Eric, she could never go to college. Yes, she can. Take six years. Take seven years. I don't care doesn't matter. This four-year college myth, in most cases, is a myth. Go five years. Go six. Who cares? Work part-time. Work full-time. Go back to school. Work and then come back and then do this. And It's better that it takes you seven years to get out of college with zero student loan debt and not owing or being owned by any university, Yale or Harvard or anybody. It's better to do that than to get out in four years, make a minimum wage job for a while or longer or forever and then end up what? Well, tough luck, surprise, sorry. You owe us and the money never goes away. As universities are opening up in places like Texas, they're opening up online universities. They're opening up universities in places where it is much more conducive and easier to attract good professors great partners, great uh, staff. I think you're going to see a consolidation. It has to happen. It's really just a math game. It's not, I'm not that tricky, right? I'm not that, I don't know. Okay, yes, I am brilliant. But besides that, <laughs> look, there's a lot of caveats here. There's plenty of evidence that this, this disruption is going to take place. I just don't want you to hold the bag. Make sure from a retirement standpoint, guys, that your money is safe and protected. Because when the shockwave hits through the community, I think it's going to scare a lot of people. 
And I want you to be prepared ahead of time. Number one, don't ever co-sign for your children or grandchildren for a student loan. They have to figure it out. Work two jobs. I did. In fact, sometimes I had three jobs. They were part-time, but they were three different part-time jobs. Right? It's what you have to do. It can be done. I proved it already. It's over. It's like walking on the moon. We know it's been done. Twelve people, it's over. Right? The other thing I need you to do is to have some or part of your money protected away from the market declines. What is your total cost? What are your fees to operate? Are you like the client that pays 2.5% in fees and earns 1.77? And he comes to us and he thought he, he thought he was making an average of 9% a year. And when we sit down, I go, well, here's what your statement says, 1.7. You made 9% this year, but it's because you lost, I don't know, whatever it was last year, 15%. And every step you take, they're taking money from you called fees. So always ask, what's my total cost? Not just the word fee. What's my total cost to own this product? Because that is the question that will give you all of those details. Hey guys, give me a call at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. You can always reach me either here on, on the show. Sometimes it goes directly to our voicemail. But all week long, that is the number directly to my office. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Finish it up and be proud. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.